Welcome to Sunday evening worship here at Broadway Baptist Church. I'm Daniel Osmond. So glad you and your family are able to tune in this evening, have the opportunity to worship the Lord. There are three things I'm going to ask you to do. We have a bulletin, so uh, you can go. Um, I'll make sure there's a link there so you can see our bulletin, so you can follow along some things going on in our church. Secondly, if you're a guest, maybe an online guest, we have a connection card, so you can fill out the connection card, let us know. Uh, how we can pray for you. Let us know if there's anything you want to know about what's going on here at Broadway or some of the ministries and some of the missions we're part of. You can certainly connect with that. Thirdly, I want you to uh, prayerfully consider becoming a giver, a tither of our church. You're supporting a Bible-believing church that takes the gospel to the nations. Jesus Christ died for the people all throughout here in Lexington and beyond. Our responsibility as believers is to be faithful in preaching. And we certainly do that through our uh, social media. So whether you're on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, our Broadway Lex brand and logo and uh, hashtag, I want you to be able to say, hey, that's a church that's sharing the good news. Jesus is the good news. Our responsibility is we live in now a very digital world, including you watching a digital service. You're seeing that we are certainly taking the good news to the othermost parts of earth, right? Starting right here at the bluegrass. So those are a couple of things for you to certainly connect. We are going through, tonight's a special night. About a year ago, I started preaching out of the book of Acts. We are at the very end. So here we are, turn in your Bible. This is the last section, the last sermon out of Acts. It's called Church on Fire. We have been going through this for a year. Acts chapter 28. So go ahead and turn in your Bible, Acts chapter 28. You know, and really in many ways during this quarantine time, I have really picked up the pace because a lot of times during um, church, uh, church events throughout the year, we might not have Sunday evening service on labor or like a Memorial Day. And we have special singings. We have children's ministry. So it kind of slows things down. But really, since we have had Sunday night church every single Sunday night, we've been trucking along through Acts of the Apostles. So we've come to the end here. And it's one that I believe it's important for us because we're going to see here that God is going to teach us. God is going to remind us that we, like Paul, Paul completely understood who he was teaching to and his singular focus on his mission. And he's going to Rome for the purpose of sharing the good news and the gospel right there at the capital of the Roman Empire. And we need to have that same type of focus on our lives. Do not, like I preached on last Sunday, do not be a drifter. Don't just drift along in your faith. God wants you and I to be bold witnesses for him. Acts chapter 28, verse 17. I want you to look here in your Bibles. After three days, he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or customs of our ancestors, I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. You say, Pastor, what, what's going on here? Paul 
is under arrest. He's under in this kind of this house arrest. Remember, he was captured and, and kept in Caesarea for two years. And then they put him on a boat because he appealed to Caesar. So he sailed through the Mediterranean. We had a shipwreck, had to wait there three months. So we had all these gospel. We got snake bitten in Malta. That was last Sunday night. So well, throughout our journey to get to Rome, every, you know, every journey Paul makes, he's being a gospel witness. So now what's happened is he's arrived in Rome. We've been aiming for Rome for many chapters, many years. He's been focused on getting there. So he's finally there. He's arrived. And what happens, he wants to speak about the Lord. He calls the Jewish leaders. Remember, Paul's Jewish. And Rome is a long way from Israel, from Palestine. So he's, you know, he's at the capital there. And it, everybody knows they're at the capital of Rome. If you speak out against Rome, if you don't go along Rome, you die. So it's a very brutal, Nero was a difficult man. But what happened, though, as long as you were in agreement with paying what is Caesar's, you could still give to God what's God. So he calls the Jewish leaders, and he has a message for them. And his message for them is he's telling them his story. So that's what he's doing right now. And the purpose of this message is for him to get to the point to show, hey, I also, I was just like you, and God has brought me all the way here with the greater purpose of sharing the gospel. Verse 18, after they examined me, they wanted to release me since there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. He, he knew I couldn't die because the Jews objected. I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no charge to bring against my people for this reason. I've asked to see you and speak to you. In fact, it is the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. What's powerful about that, remember, he's under house arrest, but this isn't, this isn't a difficult arrest. He's still freely able to teach and talk to folks, but he's still in chains. And I think the principle, the Bible principle for us in regards to this is he's reminding the Israelis, the hope of Israel, Jewish people, the hope of Israel is the Messiah. That's what he's getting to. That's what Paul is reminding them. He says, you want hope? It's Jesus. Then they said to him, we haven't received any letters about you from Judea. None of the brothers have come and reported or spoken anything evil about you. And one of the reasons why is because it's so far. It took him five months to get there. I mean, it's just not like they had email. So communication from Judea, from Jerusalem, to Rome, all the way to Rome, was a long way. But we want to hear what your views are, since we know that people everywhere are speaking against the sect. You know, that's what Christianity was at this point. It was just a sect, meaning it was a kind of a group within Judaism. There was no animosity towards Paul. The Jewish leaders did not dislike him. They, in fact, wanted to hear from him. And what I think what Paul's trying to say is that, guys, my whole life, I have gone about living and serving the Lord. And I don't know what y'all have heard about me, but everywhere I go, people try to pick me apart. If you as a believer, if you aren't, 
if you are out in our culture today and you're boldly being a Christian, boldly, at least vocally, saying you're a believer, you want to make sure that your life, the holiness, your sanctification, that your life is godly. There should be a godliness with your life. And if there's not, they will say, okay, this man, this preacher's out here saying this, but he's living in the gutter down here, and it doesn't line up. So therefore, I'm not going to listen to him. That's what God's speaking to us about. That's what Paul's trying to say. He said, my whole life, all they have done is gone after me. I'm sure you've heard some things. And there, the folks there in Rome are like, we haven't received any letters. And one of the reasons why is because, likely because it was Rome. They were in the capital. They were away from the other folks. Do you know your life, it cannot be a cistern. It has to be a flowing stream. A flowing stream is Paul. Paul allowed all about his life. He didn't just stay stagnant. He was continually growing and knowing the Lord more and more. A flowing stream is what you and I should be. That Jesus Christ is growing. He's teaching you even during the midst of COVID-19. And you are serving and, lo- and, and living for him. And I think what it is, is they knew about Christianity. They had heard about it. They knew, but it was just a sect. That's all they knew. They had not heard anything about Paul. He was just a prisoner appealing to Caesar. Keep going here in your Bibles. Look what it says in verse, I believe we're in verse 23. After arranging a day with him, Many came to him at his lodging. From dawn to dusk, he expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. A couple of key words pull out. He expounded. He expounded and testified. Do you know that is what I'm doing right now? I'm expounding God's word. The preacher stands in front of the pulpit and he says, Thus saith the Lord, here is God's message for you. Here is what the Lord wants you to know. And it says he testified. To testify is, I want to tell you how the Lord saved me. I want to tell you how the Lord healed me. I want to tell you how the Lord brought me through this great challenge, this setback in my life, how he answered this prayer. That is a testimony. How I was once lost. I was a lost sheep. But now I've been found. That's why we know our testimonies. He is expounding. When you come to church. When you're maybe reading the Bible. And teaching the scriptures. And encouraging other folks. In their relationship. and their walk with the Lord. You are expounding. And look also here. In verse 23. It uses the word persuade. Persuade is used. What a powerful word. He didn't just say this is for teaching. I'm actually persuading you. I'm drawing you in. I want you to believe what I believe. Church ministry, gospel ministry is persuasion. Listen, I'm just not up here teaching the Bible for this teaching the Bible. Chris Wright this past week went and served chocolate, went and did Taste of Church at UK's BCM, 
He doesn't just do this because he wants people to eat some new chocolate and go down there and have a great meal at Baptist Campus Ministries on Saturdays at BCM last night. Why is he doing that? Why do we have a college ministry? Because college students are here in town for K-Week here in Lexington. And we're persuading them, inviting them to come to church. We believe this message we teach changes lives. Chris believes it. I believe it. I want you to believe it. You're taking the time out to invest with the greater purpose so that folks consider Jesus. Paul is trying to persuade them about Jesus. And he's using the law of Moses, first five books of the Bible, and the prophets. He's saying, look, the books that you love, Moses, Isaiah, Jesus is there. It's talked about here. He's the Messiah. He's the hope of Israel. Keep going here in your Bible. Verse 24. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. You know, that's today. Many of you are listening and genuinely care about my words. God is using these words to speak to you. But others, it goes in one ear, it goes out the other. And Christ's message for us is that we respond to the gospel. We are diligent in saying, Lord, am I, am I sensitive to what you're trying to say? And that, that's today, 2020. Some people respond, some people don't. It's like in sales. Do you still get phone calls? They call all the time at dinner. It's probably dinner time right now at your house. Probably a, a telemarketer is calling you right now. And you, it's a machine a lot of times now. And you hang up the phone and you think, does this really work? Has any human on earth listened to a machine talk to them and pulled out their credit card and bought something? I know I haven't. We all hang up. We ask to be taken off, although if you ask to be taken off, you're not. And it's just, who responds to this? Well, apparently, in order for it, them to keep doing it, someone somewhere must respond to, to, to telemarketers. I've yet to meet a single person who bought something from a telemarketer. But apparently, it works. That's the same with the gospel. There will be believers. There will be people who reject it. Our job is to sow the seed. We don't produce a response. I'm a sower. God is the one who grants the salvation. I can't save a soul. You can't save your own soul. All we do is sow the seed. God is calling you and I to be like a Paul, and we need to be persuasive. Not only do we need to be persuasive, we need to expound the scriptures, and we need to be ready to give a testimony. Persuasive, expounding, and giving that testimony. You do that, you're going to be pointing people and leading people to Jesus. These basic principles are what Paul has built his whole life, career, and ministry on. It doesn't end. He just keeps on going. It says, verse 25, disagreeing among themselves. They began to leave after Paul made one statement. So this is why he said, the Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah. Remember he had talked about how he's quoting the prophets. 
When Isaiah said in verse 26, Go to these people and say, You will always be listening, but never understanding. You will always be looking, but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing. They have shut their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn. And I would heal them. He's quoting Isaiah 6, 9 and 10. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. And the Gentiles did listen. Jesus also quoted this scripture in Isaiah. It's almost like Jesus and Paul knew that the, the Jews are going to reject it. The Jews aren't going to accept the, the Messiah. Jesus was rejected by his own people that he came for. Jesus quoted this scripture in Matthew 13, 14 through 15. So what does it mean here, the scripture? He uses some analogies of eyes and ears and hearts. So I have it up here on the screen. They could see, that's their eyes. So obviously they see, their, they're able to see. They still have their vision. And they could hear, they're able to hear. They heard the word of God. They saw the Messiah. They crucified the Messiah. But they did not have a heart to respond. They did not respond. So that's what, what happens. We give our hearts to Jesus. You come to church here. You come on the internet and go to church. You listen to sermons. You listen to preachers and Sunday school teachers. You hear and see. But it's with our hearts that we respond. Jesus is looking for you and I to have soft, sensitive hearts that respond. The organ for thinking, willing, and deciding failed to respond. And that's his heart. They did not do it. They did not respond to the gospel. If you don't respond to Jesus, you are not saved. Do you want to be saved? Is Jesus Christ speaking to you? Do you know the right thing to do? Do you, do you hear message after message? Do you hear God speaking to you? Do you see preachers on TV and in person talk to you? And God's asking for you to respond. The battle, listen to this. The battle isn't in the valley. It's not. A lot of us think, where do we respond? Think about, I want y'all to think about this. Where do people, how do you get saved? Do you know how you're saved? You're saved by praying and receiving and responding to God, to Jesus. We don't know the Lord. When you go out to fight, during Bible times, the valley is where the battles were always fought. But that's not where folks get saved. We get saved in our prayer closet. We get saved at the time of invitation in church. We get saved at the time of response at youth camp. When the preacher asks you to bow your head and close your eyes, when you look inside of yourself and say, do I need to respond to Jesus? We are saved by praying to God. We say what we saw call the sinner's prayer. The prayer of salvation. 
It's a mountaintop experience that you should remember. Many of you remember when you were saved. It's when I cried out when I was 15 years old and called out to God and he saved my soul. Salvation isn't through work. It's not through winning battles, through working hard. God breaks people. You lose the battle. You realize I'm nothing without the Lord. I am completely dependent and in, in, in need of him. In Israel, long as Moses' hands were propped up, Israel was winning the battle. But when his hands fell down, they got tired, Israel became, they started losing. God is calling you and I to prop up our hands up on the mountain and say, Lord, I'm responding to you. I need the Lord. You want victory in your life? You want salvation? You want the Lord to save you? Do you want to start having a heart that's responsive? It's not going to be through your eyes and through your ears. It's going to be through your response. God's calling you tonight. He's calling you to say yes to Him. Paul told the Jews, guys, if you reject this gospel, I'll take it to the Gentiles. God is going to give you an opportunity to be saved. And I want you to know, you who are listening to this, if you reject this, you've missed that opportunity. The gospel will continue to go on. Even if America is destroyed and our nation falls apart, God will raise up another nation somewhere else and there will be revival and great spiritual renewal. And there will be new churches planted. There will be new preachers that will raise up and the masses will hear the gospel. The Bible says the gospel is not going to die out. And if it's not going to be here in our state, in our country, it will be somewhere else. But the great news is we can respond. We can be a part of what God is doing. And I'm inviting you to do that. Paul's inviting you to. Look here, last few verses. Verse 30. Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house. And he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now this is interesting. Those are the last two words of the book of Acts. Acts ended with Paul kind of under house arrest in Rome. But Paul, we know, based on the book of 2 Timothy, was released. He got out, and then he wrote First and 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy was the last book he wrote. And I want to read some scripture here out of it, because he was imprisoned again in Rome. And his second imprisonment was not as enjoyable as the first. His first one here, he freely had people coming and going. His first imprisonment here where Acts ends, he was very bold and he was able to freely teach. Now, didn't he say he had a hindrance? He was under house arrest, but they knew Paul was a righteous and noble man. There was nothing preventing him. One of the great books of the Bible, when you read about Paul, was about five years later, maybe four, is 2 Timothy. Paul wrote 13 books of the Bible. 
2 Timothy is the last one. 2 Timothy was written by a man who's about to die. 2 Timothy is actually a good book that I typically read a lot at funerals. Because this man, Paul, had given his life to a noble and just cause. He was living and diligent for the Lord. And now, he's, having, he's allowed the opportunity to continue teaching. So I want to read here. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles. 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. For I'm already being poured out. This is approaching death. As a drink offering. And the time for my departure is close. He knows. I'm at the end. This is it. Verse 7. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What a noble thing to say. What a great verse to describe someone's life. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. I hope that describes your life. I hope you ask your pastor. Or whoever officiates your funeral. Ask them to read this scripture. Say... I know you're going to be thinking about some scripture to read, but I want you to read 2 Timothy 4, 6-8. Because Paul's writing this on his deathbed. This is a guy who wrote 27% of the New Testament. Nearly one-third. And he's describing his life as, Guys, I've held on. I've kept this faith. I have not abandoned. I haven't thrown down the towel, thrown in the towel, and gave up. Last verse here tonight. There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness. Do you know you get a crown in heaven? Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Paul knew that God was going to reward him on that day. This is a man who's writing 2 Timothy on his deathbed. And he knows he's about to receive a crown. Jesus received a crown of thorns. He's now in heaven with a crown around his head. Paul is about to receive that same kingly crown for keeping the faith. Have you kept the faith? Have you been faithful to the Lord? Do you know, I want to show you, I'm going to give you three things up here. We've got them up on the screen. Here's a way for you to be faithful to the Lord. And we're going to wrap up. Acts of the Apostles with this. What's Paul asking of you? Paul is a man who most of the book of Acts is about him. He gave his life to the Lord. Number one, he's asking you to study. We study, that means that we spend the time to know God. You need to study daily the Bible. You want to know God, you need to know your Bible. If you aren't willing to put the time into studying the Bible, you are not going to be deep. I'm going through deeper here on the Sermon on the Mount on Sunday mornings. You are not going to be deep in your faith. Not only do you need to study, you need to obey. Again, we were talking about that life of contradiction where all of a sudden you claim you follow the Lord and you love the Lord, yet if you are not obeying what God has said, there's, people will just, it's cancel culture. They just check out on you. They're like, that guy here, 
He's saying he loves Jesus, but his lifestyle is completely opposite of that. We are expected to obey. And not only that, Jesus calls us to lead. And what that means to lead, that means you need to take a leadership role in serving the Lord. How are you serving here at Broadway? We're about to have our restart next month. What are some new ways for you to start serving? You've grown deeper. You've been studying. You've been obeying. Now it's time for you to raise your hand and say, I'm going to have a heart that's going to respond. We never retire from being a Christian. We never quit following Jesus. We never throw in the towel. Jesus is speaking to you tonight. And he's saying, will you step up in practical, practical ways of when we're talking about this is learn, live and lead. I don't want just to audit that me. Audit means, you know, what audit means it means you sit in class, you sit in church, but you don't get any credit. Like who on earth? Why would anyone go to college? Why would anyone go to school to audit a class? That just seems odd. I mean, if I'm going to go to class, I want to get credit for the class. If I'm going to listen and participate and do the work, I want credit. You as a Christian, if you're going to listen to me preach the gospel and me invite you to read and study the scriptures... I want you not to just to be an auditor. I want you to take action and be a leader. God is inviting you to be a leader with him. I read Acts. I read this book here. We just finished this book. And I want you to said, say, I read Acts. And I want to do that. Meaning, I want that. The life Paul just presented to me is what I want. And that's the gospel. We learn, we study, we live. We, that means we obey God and we lead. We boldly take the gospel and we serve and we do something for the Lord. Think of all the different opportunities you could be serving Him. Our church is restarting and I'm inviting you to, to say yes to Jesus not have a hard heart, to have a heart that's responsive. You've got ears, you have eyes, as Paul said, but your heart, you do not respond. Will you respond to Jesus tonight? Here we are online, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to get saved. God brought you here to this broadcast, this podcast. God brought you this Facebook message. God brought you to this evening worship service. For the greater purpose for you to give your heart to Jesus. It is no accident. We've seen a lot of people respond here in quarantine season. Haven't been baptizing them. At least not yet. Hopefully soon we're on baptism. Maybe you need to get baptized. If you want to get baptized, send me a message. Call the church office. Email us. But before you get baptized, you need to make sure you've asked Jesus into your heart. I want you to bow your head. Close your eyes. And if you want to get saved, like so many other folks have done, like I've done, you can get saved tonight. Dear Jesus, I respond with my heart. 
I'm yours. I want to live for you. I pray from now on. My time is yours. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Help me live each and every day as your child. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to look up. If you prayed and received Jesus, the Bible says you're saved. The Bible says you're going to heaven. The Bible says he died for you. I want to hear from you. Let me know what I can pray for. Let us know if you have any questions. Fill out that connection card. Give us your, give us your offering. Go and get the online bulletin. Christ calls you to study. He calls you to obey. And he calls you to take action. And that's to lead. That's what it means to be a disciple like Paul and actually respond to the gospel. God bless you. I will see you Wednesday night as we continue here going through the gospel of Mark. See you Wednesday.